heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. This podcast theme is all about Tommy Stout, T-Stout97 is back with me once again. And I'm saying day and night because last time the mood wasn't so bright, but now the mood's brighter. Uh, Tommy, let's uh, vouch a little bit more into that, shall we? Yeah, so I mean, I guess we can probably start off, I don't know, you know, how much detail we'll get into it later, but... The big thing is, of course, Justin Fields. You know, the draft happened, and I believe at the time I was saying, oh, I don't have any faith in what these guys are going to do in the draft, and I'm going to hate whoever they pick because it'll be a dumb pick and whatever. But I was saying, you know, in the weeks leading up, if we can somehow trade up or have Justin Fields fall to us, because obviously Lawrence was going to be taken, and that was the guy that everyone was after. But I kind of had my eye on Fields. Uh, I think it was the big game against Clemson, if I remember correctly, where I was like, okay, this kid's, he's possibly something sweet. So when, when he kept falling and falling and falling, I was like, okay, maybe this will happen. And yeah, since then, I mean, I was actually on the phone with my dad as we made the pick and I, uh, (laughs) I saw the pick like a second before he did. So I was like screaming into the phone. My dad's like, Oh, who'd we pick? So yeah, it's, it's been great. No, 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 I, 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 like, I, I can't imagine, like, me as a Pats fan, like, I wanted Justin Fields, like, I'm happy we got Mac, but, like, Fields is my choice when you guys got, as soon as you guys moved up and I saw Chicago on the clock, I just had, like, a pit in my stomach feeling, I'm like, I know exactly where they're going, but, like, we don't, like, like you said, we don't get too, too much into it, I just wanted to say the day and night thing, because of how last time in March, your odds, not your odds, not your odds, your hopes weren't exactly high, but they're higher now, so that's why I said the whole day and night thing, but, no, Fields, I think it's – I'm just going to get into the little naggy and pace thing because I feel like for them it's not a Hail Mary like trying to save your job. It's just them buying more time so that, say, if the season this year isn't what you guys are expecting it to be, they can kind of go to uh, the Hall- like um, George McCaskey and kind of say, hey, guys, give us – like we still got time. Let Justin develop more. Yeah, and that is – I think if there's one – I don't even want to say negative, but if there's one drawback to this whole, you know, like you said, day and night, Justin Fields, and really in general, a great draft thing, uh, it's that, yeah, if if there's a not-so-great season, but it's not horrible, then, yeah, Nagy and Pace will be able to say, oh, but we got this Justin Fields kid, uh, he's got to develop, give us time, which I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of giving them more time, but... You know, I got to give credit where credit is due by making the pick. And hopefully, you know, the development goes well and we'll see what happens. 100%. You just got to see how properly well they develop. Because for a lot of people don't realize this, I'm Matt Nagy. He never coached them, but he was there the year they were developing Patrick Mahomes. He was the OC in Kansas City. So just another glass half full perspective. And like even the bigger things for me is you guys are going to get some good players back on defense. Like I believe it's uh, Eddie Goldman, the nose tackle is just going to be right up there. And then uh, Tariq Cohen too, coming off the torn ACL and Allen Robinson resigning. So we'll see, but I feel like, and especially too, we'll talk about this as well. The whole green Bay drama, it adds kind of this fuel to that positivity fire, if you will. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, uh, 
I don't want to tap dance on any proverbial graves here before anything happens, but yeah, let's just say it's been very fun following this whole Aaron Rodgers Green Bay storyline and seeing where it ends up. I said this on Monday, and I, I'm still thinking about this. I just have a feeling he's going to show up at training camp and say if they go on a run and win the Super Bowl, it's going to be like the end of the longest yard where Adam Sandler runs to the field, grabs the football, and just basically shoves it in the ward of the stomach, basically saying, like, just put this in your trophy case. And, like, Aaron doing the same thing to, like, Gutekunst at the end of the year where it's like, okay, cool, now that the season's over with, like, get me out of here. Hopefully it doesn't get to that point. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying I could see something like that happen, you know, where he just comes back, does it, does it for the football, and then when the season's done, he's just like – it's like the SpongeBob getting off the couch meme where it's like, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah, because it's Aaron Rodgers and because it's the Packers, I could absolutely 100% see that happening just as, you know, one final screw you to the Bears on his way out. But, you know – like I said, obviously I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but it certainly could. Yeah, it's just like options you have to keep in the uh, in the back of your mind almost. Yeah. Um, the one thing I wanted to get into is um, last week there was there's always these rumors going around, but then now it was official with the Bears putting in a bid to purchase the um, Arlington, I believe Arlington Heights is the city's name, uh, the racetrack there to build like a huge stadium and everything. Like I've heard many different aspects on it, but... Do you feel like this is the Bears, like they're actually serious about it? Or do you think it's kind of a kind of a chip to kind of push themselves in the favor of staying in Chicago to get the renovations needed that are to, excuse me, that need to get done at Soldier Field and with that too parking? So I think there's probably two sides of this. Um, there have been very kind of quiet rumors for years and years and years. I mean, I was talking to my dad about it and he said, even, you know, back in like the eighties and nineties, it was talking, Oh, is we going to stay in Chicago? Are we going to move out. And Arlington Heights has always kind of been in that conversation, but it's never really been strongly situated like it has been in the last year or so. Uh, in the last year, you know, it's Arlington Heights, this Arlington Heights, that, uh, moving, not moving, whatever. I've never really heard any rumors to the level that we've heard in the last year. And yeah, like you said, there was an official bid put in. Uh, I, I want to say that it's probably just like a posturing thing where they're, like you said, they're trying to get renovations done. They're trying to get expansions done and they're not getting it. And they're hoping that this will be kind of push it over the line so that they do. But, I mean, that would be a very, very long game to play, you know, if my dad's telling me that stuff like this was brought up 30, 40 years ago. So I really don't truly know what to think about it. But if I were to, like, be required to pick a side, I would think that it's probably posturing. I, I just think it's posturing for the fact, too, because like they said, they're just trying to say, look, hey, because um, I actually looked it up, the where the racetrack is is about an hour north of the of the city. It's actually closer to like where anything like Schaumburg and stuff like that. But um, you even have that. But then also too, it's closer to Hallis Hall. But at the same time too, you want them to stay in Chicago. Like I obviously know the mayor of Chicago came out with a statement saying like throwing shots and shade at the team, saying about how they've had a winning record and whatnot. But like you said, I think it's just going to be posturing on both ends. And if the city of Chicago can't come through with the renovations to upgrade Soldier Field, then I think you're going to hear more and more serious talks about the racetrack getting bought. Yeah, and that's that's another thing, too. Um, 
a lot of people probably outside of Illinois very understandably wouldn't know this, but this uh, Arlington racetrack is like one of the top places in the Chicagoland area. If you know, you want to take someone on a date or if you want to have a fun day with your family or whatever it is, this place has been like a huge part of society around here. So that's like another part of this where I've held out hope for the last really year and a half where someone's going to buy this place. And, you know, it, it was obviously hit pretty hard by COVID. Um, so I'm hoping someone's going to buy it and kind of make sure it stays and is brought back. Obviously, if uh, the Bears do end up purchasing the land, then that won't happen, which would be unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird area. Maybe it's just because I'm so used to, you know, the Bears play at Soldier Field and it's right on the lake on the museum campus, downtown Chicago. So my brain can't even contemplate the idea of it being in Arlington Heights. But I guess that's something that I at least need to think about. I, I also look at this in a way kind of like the um, the Chargers situation when they were in San Diego. Like the reason why they left San Diego is because the city would not give them the proper funding to build a brand new stadium in San Diego because it needed work like we saw the same thing recently with the Raiders of how obviously they moved out of state. But I'm just using the Chargers comparison because the Chargers only did move two hours north. Uh, I believe I believe San Diego to Los Angeles is two hours north. So like I said, I feel like it's a bargaining chip for now, and it's just kind of like a, hey, let's do this now, because the one route I'm actually going to go with you, I'm going to change it up. Do you think this also has to do with the potential of the McCaskies eventually selling the team? Um, man, that's... It very well could be. There's parts of this that kind of seems like there's a possible transition period at least being thought of. But, man, I... I've always said this, and I, I might have said it back when we did our first episode a while ago. I do not see the team being sold until um, pretty much everyone is either moved on to another major business thing or, unfortunately, is passed on. Just because it's, you know, passed down through the family and all that. And for the most part, like, the Bears is all they do. It's not like they're one of these crazy tycoon owners who they own the bears and they own, you know, a million acres of property in the city and they own this and they own that. This is really like their big thing. So I don't know if they'd really be willing to give that up, especially with the family tie-ins. But on the other hand, you know, some of this kind of points to, Hey, maybe there's something weird going on that we don't know about. So, you know, I have no idea. I've been on record wanting them to sell the team for a while now. But, uh, you know, you never know. I, I also think, because you're right, um, the one thing with the Bears, that, unlike a lot of our other organizations, it's really a mom-and-pop run football team. And I know that sounds kind of degrading, but if you look at where all these other owners get their money from, like, let's take a look at a bright example that relates to you and I very well with the cons of how not only do they own the Jaguars, but they also have Fulham, they have Swansea, they have AEW as an asset. Like, there's all these other assets that a lot of these other owners have where they got their money elsewhere, and then football came. There's only a few owners in the NFL where it's really, hey, this is their entity. The only other places you see that is with the Steelers and the Raiders. Right, yeah, and it's, like you said, I think the Khan family is 
uh, you know, the perfect example of what the Bears aren't. And whether that's good or bad, that's kind of up to every individual to decide for themselves. But, yeah, obviously it's close to us uh, with the whole AEW thing. I also do watch the English, the English Premier League, so I know all about Fulham. Uh, so it's interesting to see how different uh, the Khan family is from the McCaskies and both how they run things and just, you know, how they decide to invest in some things and not others. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I'm not trying to, like, say, hey, they're different. I'm just saying, like, how with the McCaskies, it's the Bears. The Bears is their entity. Because I also think, to your right, in the sense of we, we saw with, with the Buffalo Bills where – it was the Wilson family, but then the, they sold it after Ralph died. So I feel like it's more or less once Virginia passes away is when the for sale the for sale talks are going to go up, unless she's already passed it down in her will for uh, George to take control of ownership. Yeah, I, I think like like you said, as as dark as it may be to even think about or bring up, I do think it's once uh, once Virginia passes on. Unfortunately, is when those signs will go up of all right, who wants to come buy this thing? Uh, and yeah, I, I just, it'll be a weird day when that happens. It'll suck for a lot of reasons, but also it'll be, Hey, you know, it's time to turn over a new leaf and kind of have a little fresh start that we just simply haven't been able to have as bears fans. And as you know, the bears as an organization. Yeah, exactly. But even I want to go back to the stadium thing because how you said the racetrack is such an important part. I assume Chicago Lance is like what you call Chicago and the areas that surround it, kind of like how here in Toronto we have the G, we call it the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area. Um, with the racetrack, I feel like you can maybe put another one up, and then also do the Bears have control of the land, so it's very good uh, investments to where you can have. Hey, here's the stadium, and then you could surround it with hotels, you can surround it with shops, you can surround it with bars restaurants clubs like 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 i said shops all that stuff to where hey it's not only a destination you want to go to during football season but it's a 365 day a year complex that the bears could build yeah and that's kind of going back uh to our earlier conversation about wrigleyville there's been a lot said uh both negatively and positively about all the renovations that have happened in wrigleyville i absolutely understand the negative side because you know, I used to go to Wrigley with my dad and it was just Wrigley Field and there was a Taco Bell across the street and there was a McDonald's and like that was it. And obviously there were, you know, the bars and the residential spaces and everything around it. But around the stadium is just completely different from what it used to be. And while it's kind of not unfortunate, but it's kind of sad to see the stuff that I grew up on change when you think about it, it's like there's all these shops, there's hotels, there's more bars that have popped up. There's all this stuff that is able to theoretically bring more money into the Cubs, which theoretically should be a good thing. Now, whether the ownership is spending it the way fans want, that's a whole nother thing. And I think we would run into the same thing with the Bears where, okay, they get all this land, they can put up bars, they can put up uh, you know, there will probably be a sports book if this ends up happening, uh, whatever else they may put up in the area that they would be able to bring in revenue from. Would it be used correctly? We don't know. That's something, you know, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. But, yeah, it's an interesting thought to think how different it could be here in a couple of years. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not saying, hey, this is going to happen. I'm just saying the Bears, it's one of those things where, hey, if the land thing does go through and they end up buying the land, it's a golden opportunity you could be sitting on to eventually, hey, you know what, buy the land and make it what you want. It's just saying, hey, it's like, here, here it is. Now you can run with it. You do what you want with it. So hopefully if it does happen, they do the right thing. Or if they realize at the end of the day, hey, Soldier Field is the Chicago Bears, it's what's best. I feel like they just the city's got to comply with them. Cause I feel like the city at the same time too, for as much as the bears would like a new stadium, they probably also wouldn't want to leave soldier field. Yeah. And there's, there's just so much tied into soldier field. I mean, anyone who's ever been there, they see that there's like, it's kind of two different stadiums in one. There's one part of the stadium where it's like old Roman columns and this nice, beautiful, like old style architecture and then there's this huge, like, UFO, pure glass metal structure on the other side of it. So it's it's kind of a, uh, a microcosm of the Chicago Bears evolving over the years. And you can see it right on the stadium. Would they want to throw that history away? I don't know. I personally wouldn't. But, you know, again, that's up to them. We'll see how they go about it. I really think they have too much tied into it to actually move on. Same, and like I said, I think I, at the end of the day, part of me thinks Arlington is a bargaining chip, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think too, it's at the same time where the, the city of Chicago has to meet with the Bears and kind of get everything down down pat and just say, like, hey, at the end of the day, look, hey, we have to get this done. Because the one thing I'll admit actually is I never seen a game there, but in 2016 when I was in Chicago, I actually got the chance to tour Soldier Field and. From the outside, you don't know what it, it's kind of like. Obviously, they kept the old features to it, but the inside of the stadium, I honestly thought it was a really nice stadium to go see a game. Yeah, I, I've been there once. It was kind of in the middle of when they were doing their most recent like renovations. It hasn't changed too much since I was there for a Bears game last. But yeah, it's on the outside. You know, like I said, with the columns and everything, it does look very, I don't want to say dated, but I'll almost say dated, uh, just like an older style stadium. But yeah, when you get inside, to me, it just, it's Soldier Field, it's what I know, but it's also, you know, it's not like it's this old, dated, broken down, terrible stadium where, you know, unsurprisingly, a lot of people might think that because of the uh, uh, the outside exterior appearance. But yeah, it's it's a decent place to go see a game i actually went to see um, manchester united play there uh years back and it was pretty wild to see a different sport other than obviously football american football there and really i've been there for a concert i've been there for football i've been there for a blackhawks championship celebration and i've been there for soccer and for everything it's been like an awesome view awesome uh I don't know what word I'm looking for there, but it's been an awesome stadium for everything I've been there for. So I think, yeah, I've personally, I guess you could probably guess this from how I'm talking about it, but I'm very firmly in the camp where stay in Chicago, stay in Soldier Field, just get it upgraded, figure it out. Exactly. Like as soon as you said, figure it out, it just reminded me of that Barstool Big Cat gift of him in Ford Field, just screaming that figure it out. <laughs> like that's that's just the thing. Um, next, before we get off the Bears, and we, we'll talk a little bit of other stuff. Because um, obviously, like how we were saying, the whole Nagy and Pace thing, that they can kind of buy themselves some time with Justin Fields. Um, do you think eventually Ted Phillips' days could be numbered as well? Or do you think he's kind of like a that sacred entity that kind of never gets touched or kind of forgotten about when it comes to, hey, who should get fired? 
Yeah, so Ted has been, especially in recent years, a very, like, weird figure in the Bears organization because there's a lot of people that, you know, they don't like McCaskey, they don't like Nagy, they don't like Pace, whatever. But Ted Phillips is like, if anyone has to go, these guys want Ted Phillips gone. Um, But it does seem like he's kind of, he just kind of lurks around the background and he makes these decisions, but it gets blamed on this person or blamed on that person. Uh, It's, he's kind of a really weird figure where he makes a lot of bad decisions. He makes some good decisions for sure. But whenever it's a bad decision, it always, you know, magically somehow gets pushed on someone else. So I think he's probably one of those weird, untouchable kind of background guys that shouldn't be untouchable. Uh, But, yeah, I would say if I could have him gone today, then so be it. Because he's he's uh, he's had some missteps here and there for sure. It's excuse me. It's almost like the Bruce Allen situation, but not as bad as what's happened in Washington. Because obviously, once Bruce Allen left, like look how much better the football team got. So it's just another example. I uh, I wanted to give. That's all. Um, moving on though, with the uh, with the rest of your division, the NFC North. Um, is there a team that you could see be like? But obviously, well, we know your division. I was going to say it's the weirdest division besides Detroit. I feel like with Minnesota, Chicago, and. Uh, Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, excuse me, you don't know exactly what you're going to get this coming season. Yeah, I think it's it's a rare season uh, where usually, at least for me, it's obviously I want the Bears to win the division. I'll pick the Bears to win the division. But deep down, you know, it's the Packers division uh, this year. You know, like you said, who knows what's happening with that? And then the Vikings have this kind of weird aura as well, where Usually I expect the Bears to split one game and one game with them. And then they'll, you know, essentially it would be us battling them for second place to Green Bay. I don't know what's going on with them. Uh, I'm not a huge Cousins believer at all. Uh, He's kind of a weird figure for them as well. I know I've got a few Vikings fan friends and it seems very split on either, you know, Kirk Cousins is the greatest quarterback of all time or he's the worst quarterback of all time. And while Cousins obviously isn't the only player on that team or only uh, part of the equation, he's he's the quarterback. At the end of the day, he's the guy. So, yeah, it's going to be very weird to see how this division shakes out and what these teams are. Yeah, exactly, because, like, with Minnesota, you never know just – based on the facts that, hey, it's the alternate year, so they're supposed to be good, but at the same time, too, they'll go as far as Kurt will take them. Meanwhile, with Green Bay, you just don't know. Like, Green Bay is a whole other dumpster fire on its own, but Minnesota is just a big one. Like, obviously, you guys are you guys. Like, I, if I had to put a, a number on it right now for you guys, I'd say somewhere between maybe 7 and 10 to, let's say, 10 and 7, somewhere in that weird, like, that mixture. But I feel like... Minnesota is such an unpredictable entity to where, hey, they could win seven games or they could win 11. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the part that I wouldn't say scares me, but it's the part that throws me off the most about the division because I'm always going to tell myself that the Packers are going to go 0-16 or 0-17 and the Bears are going to go 17-0 and and whatever. But with the Vikings, it's like, God, I, I could never get a read on them, and it's always bothered me throughout my years as a football fan. 
and yeah, I mean, this year is even more. You got obviously uh, the whole Stefan Diggs thing that happened a couple years ago at this point. Uh, Cousins is, I'm not sure when his contract is up, but he's got to be coming to the end here. Uh, and there's, there's just a weird thing with them where I feel like they're either going to be really, really, really good, or they're going to have to blow things up after the season. 100%. I'm just looking up his contract right now because I'm curious. Because I know in 2018 is when he did go to the uh, – yeah, in 2018 he uh, signed a fully – the first – he signed a three-year full $84 million fully guaranteed contract. But then last March he signed a two-year extension. So I believe after next year is when his uh, contract's fully up. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But for now – like, I still think with, obviously, Minnesota took Kellen in the draft. I feel like that's not so much more per, uh, future quarterback like you guys are in the fields, but I feel like that's a, hey, if Kurt sucks, we have a backup plan that's not named Sean Mannion. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's important because, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in tune with the Vikings, obviously, the way I am with the Bears. So I don't know obviously. if if they think they're going to be competing or if they think this is going to be a down year where they're going to try to, you know, collect draft capital and do all this and whatever. So I don't know exactly the pulse of them, but I do know from an outsider's perspective, I'm just, I mean, I know I said this already, but I'm completely lost on them. Like I have zero idea. Cause that's the same thing with me too. Like I know a little bit about it just cause like, obviously I said the whole year on end thing, and then, too, like how I said, it's uh, I obviously knew how they drafted Kellen Mond. And then, obviously, it's better than Sean Mannion. But my big thing with them last year was they all got extended. Like, Kurt signed the extension. Um, I believe Mike Zimmer got an extension. Rick Spielman did. So, I feel like all of them last year kind of took a redshirt year or kind of a, hey, if we suck, we suck. Like, who really cares? Like, we're, we're not going anywhere. Like, the Wolves aren't – they weren't going to fire them. Meanwhile, now it's kind of like, a, hey, guys um, – like TikTok, what's going on here? Right, yeah. And at the end of the day, you don't have forever to wait. Um, and, I mean, I'm a Bears fan, so I know all about that. But, <laughs> you know, it's at some point, it's either you got to get something figured out to where, okay, you can have serious conversations about this is exactly our plan, this is what we want to be, this is our identity going forward. And I just, to me, from an outsider's perspective, I don't see the Vikings having that, whereas obviously the Bears have Justin Fields. Um, the Packers are weird, too. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They don't know if they're going to give up a whole bunch or if they're just going to end up packing it in and you know doing a little mini rebuild. I don't know. But, yeah, I think from a possibly definitely biased perspective, I think the Bears right now have like the most concrete – identity going forward like this is what we want to do no I, I completely understand that like you said the bears have a plan um the one team like i said we know what they're gonna be but i feel like they have a plan too is the detroit lions like i don't think they'll they'll probably be good for maybe uh, at least i think three years but you know what they got they had a pretty solid draft and they kind of like are slowly getting an identity now i know they're a rival team and you guys play on thanksgiving but it's one of those things where the, the tide there kind of seems like it's changing almost. Yeah, and I've always been a big Matt Stafford guy, so when that move happened, it was like, whoa. I mean, it was rumored for a bit, so it wasn't that much of a shock, but to see it actually happen, it's like, oh, this guy's not going to be 
in the division anymore. He's not going to be throwing for 7,000 yards a game against the Bears from out of nowhere, which is always nice. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, they're developing. They're starting to kind of collect a bunch of people that, you know, could be good for the future. Hopefully they're not, obviously. But, um, <laughs> you know, there could be something brewing there. I will say, though, uh, this, uh, this Jared Goff guy. Yeah, yeah um, it's a very... So I'm... he's got talent, obviously. He's, he's a name, but... I don't think he's going to survive in the NFC North. I've always seen him as kind of a, a coastal guy. You know, he's in California. It's nice and warm and this and that. I think obviously Detroit has a dome, but when he has to come to Chicago, when he's got to go to green Bay, he's got to go to Minnesota. Um, I guess Minnesota has a dome too now, but uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, if, at all he adjusts because who knows it could be something that I've completely made up in my brain but I don't see him as an NFC North quarterback no neither do I but like the big thing I see with the whole Matt Stafford Jared Goff dynamic like I can't wait for this year if Matt Stafford's good with the Rams where everyone's just like oh hey did everyone know Matt Stafford is good I'm just like yeah that's what happens you put a great player with a good organization like yeah who knew right yeah, who knew? Like, oh, hey, you can be good if you're in the right situation. Oh, oh my God, who, who would have seen that coming? The team that hasn't won a playoff game since before I was born. Um, but, like, that's just the thing with the Detroit Lions. Like, I even feel Jared Goff, too. I, I think they'll draft a quarterback next year, and then I think 23 is when they move on from Goff. And we all know that they only got – like, that's another thing with the Lions, too. They have four picks over the next two years, but that's only because they're paying Jared Goff so much money. That's kind of – it's compensation almost because – what happened was the Rams had buyer's remorse and they had to do something. Yeah. And, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say it's as simple as that. Yeah, and it, it'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting overall. But, you know, talking about buyer's remorse, it'll be weird to see, um, you know, how the Lions react long-term to this. Because I guess in the last couple days, uh, maybe it was the the GM or the owner, someone in the Lions came out and said, oh, no, you know, Goff is our guy. He's not a bridge quarterback, which, of course, they're going to say, first of all. But, you know, just to hear that, it'll be it'll be a weird thing where, you know, like you said, do they go out and get a quarterback? I would assume they would. Um, that's yet to be seen. But it's it's kind of in that weird time period where you've got this guy in Jared Goff that, for all intents and purposes, is probably going to be a bridge guy. Um, but it's... The turnaround will be weird with who are you drafting, who can you get out of this upcoming class, and, you know, can you get the pieces around them in time to kind of have that all gel at the same time. Again, uh, like, biased-wise, I hope it doesn't work, but it, it very well could. Exactly. That's the one big thing with the Detroit Lions. And also one other Green Bay Packer note that I just remembered. Um, besides Aaron Rodgers wanting to leave, um, Devontae Adams' contract's also up after this season. So just something else to keep in mind if you're a Packers fan just a little bit more uh lemon in your uh little wound you got going on there yeah and and Devontae he's I mean to me it's always been uh Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers so that was honestly my first thought when this Rodgers thing came out obviously other than oh my god Aaron Rodgers could be gone like this is the greatest day of my life my second thought was I wonder how Devontae is going to react to that and he's been pretty coy about it I think 
Um, I think he might have come out and said, oh, you know, I'm a Green Bay Packer and this is where I play and this and that, which, of course, he's going to say again. But, you know, that's a whole another weird dynamic that's going on Green Bay, which I am just absolutely loving. Uh, so the longer that goes on and there's turmoil and, you know, whatever, that'll be great for me. Exactly. That's all, that's all you can hope for at this point. Cause if anything, it's just like making Chicago just kind of be like, Hey, that snake in the grass. It's like, Hey, where is it going to come from? Because like with Minnesota, it's personnel questions with green Bay. It's, Hey, is the star quarterback and one of the best quarterbacks of the last 20 years going to be there. And then with you guys, it's just, Hey, we make it a new stadium. <laughs> there you go. It's not the worst place to be in, right? Yeah, it's like two dysfunctional dragons and then the one mean dragon, you know? Um, that's the other thing, too, what I was going to say with the Bears this year, even. The NFC is going to be so unpredictable because, like, you, the NFC West is going to be good, but we don't know who's going to be there. You, The East is the East. Um, until they show improvement, I'm still saying that. And then the South, we know Tampa Bay should be good. Who knows what New Orleans will be uh, and same with Atlanta, Carolina, like, for as good as I say, I think the AFC, AFC is the better conference. The NFC, there's going to be a lot more unpredictability and a lot more good storylines coming out of there in the sense of, hey, a few teams that may surprise people might actually be better than we thought. Yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some opportunity for sleepers in the NFC. Uh, I've, I'm of the personal thought that the league runs through Kansas City. I know, obviously, they lost this last year, but hopefully, you know, for them, they're not going to have 18,000 injuries on the offensive line to where Mahomes is going to have to run for his life every play and all of that. I still think, you know, at the end of the day, it runs through the AFC. But, yeah, there's going to be some fun little jostling between NFC teams to see, you know, seeding and then obviously division winners and all that. It'll be an interesting watch uh, to see how it develops throughout the season for sure. Yeah, exactly, because, like, I still think the AFC it runs through Kansas City. Like, everyone this year is kind of starting to say, like, oh, hey, what – and Kansas City has other situations I talked about on Monday that are just crazy, like the whole Frank Clark arrest and whatnot. But and people are starting to say, hey, that contract's going to look bad. And I'm like, people played this game with the Patriots for 20 years where it's always, hey, is this year they decline? <laughs> the second you doubt them, they're going to win. This year – like it's always like with that's what I, that's what I always been saying because if you look at all the champions from the last few years in the NFL, everyone has to face some sort of adversity throughout the year. Like we have not seen a run where a team just dominates everything and wins. Like even the year Kansas City won, remember Mahomes got hurt, and then they had the three crazy comebacks in the playoffs. So just because you're the cream of the crop doesn't mean you're going to win. But at the same time, too. I'm not doubting the Kansas City Chiefs unless, for some reason, they just take a complete nosedive. Yeah, and that would be, I mean, to me, one of the more shocking things in the league in the last, like, 10 years if Kansas City just completely falls off the table. Could it happen? Absolutely. But I feel like there's just way too much talent on that team. I also think for as long as Andy reads the coach there and then the fact that Patrick, uh, the, the, the receiver question I think after a while will be there because I obviously think Mahomes will uh, outplay guys like Kelsey and we'll see with Hill and other receivers. So I think they just have to make sure they keep developing around him and keep bringing in pieces, kind of like what we saw with Brady, how he got it done with no matter who they brought in. Yeah, and it's – to be honest, I'm – it's way too early to even – think about verbalizing this, but you you kind of uh, opened the door for me, so I will say my take. Uh, I think Mahomes is 
a completely different style quarterback than Tom Brady. He has not nearly the success or the longevity. But like you said, if you can just keep bringing in these pieces and, you know, keep bringing in guys who are quick and they've got great hands and, you know, just good football guys as wide receivers and obviously, you know, running backs, tight ends, all that around him, then he could end up being like Brady where no matter who's playing around him, he's going to get the best out of him. And like I said, it's way too early to even say that's, you know, a thing that could happen. But just the pure talent level of this kid, if you if you put even decent receivers and, God forbid, awesome receivers around him, he's going to make him look like a million bucks. I mean, look at the difference with Tom Brady with the 2019 Patriots when it was a band of misfits to what he did with Tampa Bay this last year with on arguably one of the best receiving cores in the NFL with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, just to name a couple of guys. Yeah, that, that Tom Brady guy, he's... He's pretty good, huh? <laughs> except for when, except for when he plays against Nick Foles, it's a weird anomaly. Yeah, but he had that weird thing with Eli too. It's just some of these things happen. Yep, it just it, it just happens. And then uh, what was I going to say too? Um, is that even the other thing? I feel like with Eli is like just want to say with Eli quickly. I feel like he's having a better postseason uh, like a a post career than he is an actual career like how he's just so funny online and now he's like working for the Giants and stuff because like how often do you see that where a star quarterback and a franchise icon comes back to work for the team in like a business role Yeah that outside of the uh the business role because obviously you know this doesn't apply to what I'm about to bring up but I've seen Eli Manning he's kind of getting the uh the Jay Cutler effect, because Cutler, when he was here in Chicago, was, ah, you know, he's throwing interceptions and this and that, and everyone hates him and whatever. But after retiring and, you know, he's out of the public eye for a bit, then he has uh, the appearances on Kristen's show, and he's doing the uh, the chicken hunting thing on the internet. Like, everyone loves Jay Cutler now. So it's funny to see, you know, that happened with Jay and obviously he hasn't come back to the team, nor would he. But yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing that happened with Manning, where Eli was already loved, but he's he's just been skyrocketing up because, like you said, he's funny on the internet and he does this and that. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see a couple of those older quarterbacks have that happen post-career. Exactly, and even too, you see it like with uh, Peyton a little bit. Like he, it's it's kind of weird, like with Peyton and his post-football career, it seems like he does more stuff with the Denver Broncos than he does with the Colts. Because, like, I'm only saying that because when, when you think of Peyton Manning, I don't know how many people are going to jump to, hey, Denver Bronco, as opposed to, hey, Indianapolis Colt. Yeah, Peyton, I mean, to me, he's always a Colt, partially because, obviously, you know, he was quarterback of that team when they beat the Bears. But, yeah, it is weird to see him, like, do so much with Denver, right? Maybe he, you know, he just really loved his time in Denver. He loved the franchise or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, he's – when I when someone says Peyton Manning says that name, I'm always going to think of that, you know, blue and white uniform, never, ever the orange one. No, no, no. I also think he does live in Colorado now full-time, so that's probably another reason why he does a lot of work with the Broncos, even though I know when the Colts do uh... – like Ring of Honor induction, stuff like that, he will be in Indianapolis for that. Oh, yeah, no question. Yeah, but um, 
even going on, there's other quick news and notes. Um, the one thing I saw today, I don't know how much attention you pay to this, but the NFL, after 2023, is announcing that they're going to be uh, bidding on the combine, kind of like the NFL draft. So it's kind of a unfortunate end of an era because the combine for years has been in Indianapolis, but they're going to start taking it on the road. I did not hear that. That's, hmm, that is interesting. I, you know, with Indiana's, and by extension, Indianapolis, obviously, with its proximity to Illinois and Chicago. I've actually been by uh, Lucas Oil Stadium a few times. And, you know, there's whenever I've gone there, maybe it's probably just the timing working out. There's always been, you know, NFL Draft Combine 2000, whatever. And there's all these flags and signs up. So, man, I didn't hear about that. I got to look into that. That's That's going to be... A weird, weird change. Maybe after a year, then we won't recognize it like a lot of these things tend to go. But yeah, that'll be weird to see it somewhere else if it ends up happening. It's been in Indianapolis every year since 1987. And I was just looking at it where it's between 23 and 28 that they're going to be able to bid on it. Um, Part of me thinks that eventually they want to end up in L.A. because where the new stadium is, the NFL Network's going to have a studio compound there. So part of me does think eventually they're going to want to be in L.A. full time. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would make sense. It's just a take I have because you have the beautiful stadium there, but at the same time, too, I, I've heard stories of reporters and stuff who just love going to Indianapolis because there's all these like signature restaurants that they go to there, and it's just everything's so close together in Indy. So, like, it'll be it'll just be sad to see it go, but hey, hopefully, if in that mix they still do include Indianapolis because they know how much the combine means to that city. Yeah, I think that's that's got to be kind of. If not a home base, then it should be a regular, like, comeback point. Because, like you said, yeah, it's, I mean, Indy might as well be the home of the Combine. So, yeah, I'm sure even if they do move to L.A. or wherever it may be, then, yeah, they'll come back and say, hey, you know, we're back. Come come check this out because I know you guys have missed it over the last five years, so give us all your money. Exactly, exactly. And I'm not even saying like, hey, they have to put India in the mix. But I'm just saying like, don't remember, or even, like, excuse me, I'm not saying the LA thing's going to happen. It's just a rumor I've heard and that's a, it's a take I kind of believe in. But at the same time, you never know. Um, and then the only other thing I want, uh, the couple other things I want to discuss before we get into the draft is uh, tight end U is going on this week, actually hosted by uh, Greg Olson and George Kittle, have a bunch of tight ends in Nashville. They're just going to be doing charity work. They're going to be going over how to be a proper tight end. It looks, honestly, it'd be a, an experience I'd love to see firsthand. Yeah, and that's that's something that, uh, I forget where I saw that, but when I saw that, I mean, Greg, obviously, he's got the Bears history. He's tied in with Chicago pretty heavily, honestly. I mean, he's done stuff with the, uh, the Barstool Chicago guys. Obviously, he was with the Bears, I love Greg Olson, both on and off the field. I mean, I think, wasn't it Greg that had the, uh, maybe his son or something needed a transplant here recently? It's um, something that it's something that I've actually, I felt really bad because I was supposed to mention it in the last couple of podcasts, but I never did. But his son TJ recently had open heart surgery because he, he was, uh, Greg was on part of my take from uh, through Barstool Sports, for those of you who aren't aware. Um, and he described like this procedure and everything, basically saying that when his when his wife was pregnant with TJ, that he basically had half a heart, so that eventually he had to get one, and then he got one last week, and he's I think he got out of the hospital about a couple weeks ago. So it's just it's good to see, and uh, we're we're still, we're thinking of you, TJ. Yeah, for sure. And 
even you know without the Bears connection, without the Chicago connection, just to to see that happening and you know just to hear the stories of you know what they've gone through and on I can't even imagine just you know how scary it must have been and all that. Like you said, you know, just positive thoughts and hopefully you know it keeps going on this positive road. But yeah, especially you know him being to me a Chicago guy. It's awesome to see one of our guys have, you know, such a blessing kind of come through. Yeah, exactly. It's like even um, the other day how it's right before I recorded on Monday and right before we recorded was when the Carl Nassib news came out. And then last night it came out that his jersey over the last 24 hours was the best-selling jersey throughout all Fanatics platforms. So for as much as football fans can – like because my mom says this all the time that she feels like the fans – get way more into the game than the players do, how the players just see it's a game, like how they shake hands at the end of the game. Meanwhile, fans and part of me is just scared that like the amount of fighting that's been up in stadiums, whether it be baseball, whether it be Suns and Four, um, you see more fights in the stands. I just kind of worrisome that hopefully the NFL is not a fucking chaotic shit show this year with fans in the stands. So back to the point I'm making is that it just shows that hey, for as much as football fans can hate each other, football as family is an actual thing. Yeah, and it's been beautiful. I mean, like you said, the uh, the Raiders guy. I'm sorry, I forget his name, but yeah, seeing Carl that. Massive. Yeah, thank you. I, when it first came out, uh, I was like, "Oh boy, this could be interesting." And obviously, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of dark corners of the internet where it's the usual, you know, this guy, this, this guy, that. But yeah, to see pretty much, at least from what I've seen. Uh, the general football family, whether it be the actual NFL itself or, you know, other players, other fans be so like accepting and positive about it. It's been awesome because when it, when the news first broke, uh, when he first made that, I think it was an Instagram post. My first thought was, Oh no, this is not going to be a good few days on the internet, but thankfully I was proven wrong. Yeah. For as much negativity as there is in the world, there always is those shining lights of positive positivity. And you, you honestly just love to see it. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. Because even too, with that, like my only fear is too, like how you say there's the dark corners of the internet. My only other fear too, is that it's it. Cause it's not like he's just a low, low tier NFL practice squad guy. Now he's an active, uh, I'm sorry about that. My, sorry about that. Siri decided to make a sporadic appearance for some reason. Um, but my big thing is just, you, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to say anything. I was just going to get into the whole the whole potential about it because you know there is going to be some people who are uncomfortable with it because uh, of how people view certain life. Apparently, there's a lot of uh, Christian Christianity within the NFL. But you know what? In today's world, just all I care is that he's accepted, and the fact too that something simple as this is, hey, not only did he like have do a very courageous and brave thing, but the fact that people are buying his jersey and supporting him. And the fact that he donated all of his money to a very noteworthy cause for LGBTQ plus uh, community. Yeah, and that's, to me, that's the best part about it. Obviously, outside of him feeling comfortable enough uh, to come out and really just to be him, is that, you know, he's made this donation and people have pretty much universally commended that. Um, But then, yeah, like you said, people going out and buying his jersey and I'm... 99.999% sure that a lot of those probably aren't even Raiders fans. So at the end of the day, I mean, this guy, whether you believe in him or not, uh, as a football player, as a human being, uh, 
you know, he's doing great things for himself and uh, the communities that he's in. And really, I mean, at the end of the day, the NFL is about money and, you know, he's making a lot of money for the NFL. And I hope that, you know, they're going to make some kind of uh, pledge or donation or whatever. I don't know if they already have. I might have missed something, but hopefully there's a part of that that comes out to add to his donation. That would be really cool. I don't think it had, but I would agree with you. I feel like the NFL, or even if the Las Vegas Raiders and Mark Davis made a uh, donation to like a, char- a charity like the Trevor Project, like they said, that really helps. Uh, I, believe, I made a mistake on Monday. I said what the charity's for. It's more of like a hotline for anyone who may be suicidal, who, who ha- or has trouble coming out of the like who has trouble coming out. They can call and just you know what have someone to talk to. So it's just the fact that it's a cause like that. It's also very very great to see. Yeah, and it's just. You know, really, like you said, I know it's an overused statement and it's kind of like a joke at this point, but I mean this sincerely when I say it. I really do love to see it because, I mean, years ago, this kind of stuff would not have the same reaction. And, I mean, we even kind of saw it with Michael Sam. Obviously, it's a whole different situation because he wasn't at all, you know, a regular player uh, like we have here. So it it was a different thing, but I remember at the time uh, he was not exactly welcomed with open arms. So it's awesome to see kind of um, the transition we've made from what was unfortunate then with a lot of negativity and uh, vitriol to now it's been pretty much unanimously supportive and positive, which is awesome. Exactly. Exactly. You, you couldn't have seen it, said it better. It's just, you love to see it, and we wish all the best for Carl in the 2021 uh, NFL season. Um, well, anyway, just before we wrap up here, um, I'm doing the first ever YWC Football Talk draft as I get closer to 100 episodes because this is actually number 94. Um, I like to get creative and just do some new stuff. So we're going to do a draft today, and today's draft is coaches we think that are going to be on the hot seat for 2021. And because I do not have a trivia question or any social media managers to uh, – do numbers. Uh, I'm going to give you the first pick, Tommy, of who you, a coach you think that is that you think could be or you think should be on the hot seat going into the season. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I, I think this might be a fairly obvious pick. Uh, do I think this is the most hot seat in the NFL? No. Do I think it even should be? No. But I got to go with Matt Nagy first overall. Um, I feel like I would not be true to myself. If I wasn't taking Nagy, um, like we said earlier, he's kind of bought himself a bit more time with Justin Fields. And I think probably rightfully so, but just the past years of uh, the, the big thing that will always stick out to me is when he came out after I forget which game it was, but basically said, Oh, I'm not an idiot. I know we have to run the ball. And then the next game he threw the ball like 62 times or something like that. Just, there's a lot of things this guy does that rubs me the wrong way. And I know a lot of Chicago fans feel the same way. So while he may not be the hottest seat in the NFL, I got to go with him first overall. You know what? I, I, I don't blame you at all because for all we said that, Hey, they could buy years if they miss the playoffs and have like a ant season. If they like go five and 12 or if they mismanage fields and don't win, like wait to put them in. Like, yeah, then it's going to be you're shooting yourself in the foot. But at the same time, too, it's that weird double-edged sword where, hey, he could be, but he might also not be. But if I had to say anything, I feel like his seat is like 
it's toasty. It's not hot. It's just like it's a little like you sit on. It's like oh, that's hot. It's like when you take a bite into a hot slice, like a like you have a little bit of a hot a bite of a hot slice of pizza. You know. I like that. I like that. That's a pretty good description. Yeah. Um, and just moving on to mine, my first one, um, I'm going to go with Cliff Kingsbury of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a big Kyler Murray fan. Uh, I like the Cardinals as a team. I'm a bit of a quasi-Cardinal fan, if you will. But my big thing with them is they drafted they drafted Kyler. They brought in Cliff. They brought in – look at who they brought in. J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green – just to name a few, uh, Larry Fitzgerald's obviously not there anymore. But if they bring Cliff, they brought Cliff in to kind of have a culture change and make the playoffs. And if after three years that is non-existent, I, I think it's sorry at the end of the year. For as much as Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime like Cliff Kingsbury, I think you got to make a change and say adios to the guy because, like I said, for as much as you personally like someone football is a business and you have to do the right thing for your business. So I'm here to say right now with the Arizona Cardinals do not make the playoffs. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury will be gone at the end of the season. And if I had to put a temperature on his seat, um, I'm going to go with like the second mildest flavoring of hot sauce on hot ones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm I mean, these metaphors on it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I love Kyler. I really do. I think he's not even just as a football player, but as an athlete overall, I think he's awesome. And I think he's a great guy as well. I, yeah, I don't, I don't see personally, unless there's a huge upswing and the Cardinals are, you know, making a run at it. I don't see any way um, that he survives this year. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I definitely agree with that pick. You know what, though? Like, it's like I said, for as much as we like Kyler at the same time, too, it just looks something's got to give. Yep. Um, so anyway, moving on next, we're good. So we're going to do four picks today, if you're okay with that. Uh, do you have another coach in mind? or? I do, yeah. Um, so here's what I'll do. I'll give you my second pick, and then at the end I would like to do an honorable mention because I don't think it will be taken. You know what? That's fine. You know what? We'll leave it to that. So we'll do. I'll, we'll each do another pick, and then we'll do an honorable mention. Then we can kind of go back and forth on it. Okay. Perfect. So, yeah, my second pick is slightly Bears related. I think Fangio in Denver. Um, when he was rumored for the Denver job, I didn't think he was going to be like. I didn't think he was a head coach kind of guy. I thought he was an awesome defensive coordinator. And, you know, I think that was backed up by how well the Bears were put together and were schemed uh, for those years. But I just I think he's kind of out of his depth. And obviously it's not his fault that Drew Locke hasn't necessarily been the greatest quarterback of all time. And there's not a whole lot looking up uh, for Denver. I know that I think at the beginning of this Rogers stuff, I think that was a projected landing spot for him. So maybe that could be a catalyst if they somehow get Rodgers. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But I think even if they did get Rodgers as great as he is, there's just Denver, something's got to change. Much like Arizona, something's got to give. And I just don't think that Fangio is the right guy for that job, unfortunately. You know, I, I completely agree with you. Fangio was going to be one of my picks. I, I, I liked him in Chicago as defensive coordinator. I always thought, he, and like, I know there's some guys where it's like, hey, look, he's getting his due. Excuse me. Uh, but I feel like with him, it's just, 
you're a better defensive coordinator than a coach. And in Denver, you've got this great, great defense, which obviously had injuries last year. Then you have a pretty solid offense, but your biggest question mark is your quarterback. Like, the way that this team is put together right now kind of reminds me a bit of the 2018 Bears squad, you know, where it's like quarterback is the big question mark. And if either they do end up starting Drew Locke and they finish with a horrible record or they, you know what, go Bridgewater, it's the same thing. If they're like a five, six win team at the end of the year, Fangio's, it's something, it's like I said, it's the same thing as uh, like we said earlier, something's got to give. Yep. Completely agree. Could not agree more. No problem. Uh, before we do honorable mentions, I'm going to do my next one. And for my next one, uh, I'm going to keep it in your same division. Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, just for the simple fact, I know we said the, like, obviously there's a whole hot and cold, hot and cold years. But I think this year it's more important than ever to to win. It's more important than ever for them to do well, considering what they've got. They've got Cousins on the contract. You also have Justin Jefferson, who's a hell of a receiver on a rookie deal. They did good jobs to upgrade the defense. They uh, also upgraded the uh, offensive the offensive line. You've got Dalvin Cook in there. It's a, it's a big now or never year for the Minnesota Vikings, because the Vikings are always that franchise that they, besides 2018, they've always been that they're never good enough to win a Super Bowl, but they're not bad enough to be a bottom a bottom ten team in the NFL. So I feel like this year, not only do they have to make the playoffs, but I think, and I'm not even saying they have to win the Super Bowl, but I feel like they sh- their aspirations should be to make it to at least the divisional round. I know you don't like hearing that as a Bears fan. It's just that's how I feel like things should be in Minnesota going into this season. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, he's obviously definitely on my list as well. Uh, I do want to kind of go back to something you said, not involving him there. I just kind of want to give props here. Justin Jefferson, that kid is awesome. Like he is a great receiver. Um, But yeah, kind of going back to the coaching, like you said, it's a do or die year. And for me, I wouldn't exactly want Cousins to be leading a do or die year. Um, And I also wouldn't want uh, Simmer. (laughs) <laughs> to or die year so yeah I think he's definitely on that edge there where if they make a run then obviously it's okay maybe he's building something we're figuring something out in Minnesota but I just don't think it's going to end up that well and I I think he will be gone yeah and um my big thing with them too as well if you haven't noticed the Minnesota Vikings really have been a carousel for offensive coordinators because that's one thing Zimmer obviously is a defensive-minded head coach so when you do get a good offensive coordinator in there, they're going to get a head coaching job eventually. And last year, obviously, Gary Kubiak retired, so now it's his son. I want to say it's either Clint or Brock. Um, with uh, I'm, I'll look it up when you're doing your honorable mention. But, yeah, it's the same thing. Like It's like Zimmer. Look, you you got to be better. Like They have to have the defense running well, and you got to get Cousins producing. Yeah. Yeah, it's shape enough to be a weird one in the NFC because I've already got uh... – two coaches and uh, I would possibly say three um, on a, at least semi hot seat. So it should be a weird one in the NFC North coaching wise. Oh, it's Clint, by the way, for Kubiak, by the way, it's Clint Kubiak. Um, but no, I don't blame us going for NFC North because when I think about it, there's more NFC North coaches. Cause last year, obviously there was a lot of firings within the uh, AFC. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for honorable mention, uh, which way are you leading? So uh, for an honorable mention, I want to go with an old 
not so much friend of mine, uh, McCarthy in Dallas. He hasn't been fired yet, right? <laughs> no, he has not been. Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator who famously got Tabasco sauce while eating hot wings during an interview, like a Zoom <laughs> press conference, he was let go for all the right reasons. But no, Mike McCarthy, as of now, as of this recording, I should say, is still head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, he... So, obviously, he had years in Green Bay where, you know, good stuff happened and whatever, but... Him in Dallas, like, it's just, first of all, it was weird for me right away because obviously he's not with the Packers, so that's weird as it is. But he just doesn't, he doesn't seem like the guy for anyone to me. And he, he never has. That's probably a lot of, you know, pro Bears, anti-Packers bias kicking in. And obviously, you know, it's not his fault. It's no one's fault that, you know, Dak had that just brutal injury. Um the season is almost a hundred percent different if Dak doesn't get that injury. But I feel like even before Dak went down, I feel like they were kind of sputtering. I think it was only a couple games, maybe five or something before Dak got hurt, but they just, it seemed like every week it was like, Oh, you know, the Cowboys could have won, but they did this or the Cowboys could have won, but they didn't do this. And I saw a lot of kind of, people going after McCarthy for it. So obviously not being tapped in to the Cowboys a whole lot. Uh, it might very well be that he's not the worst coach in the world, but he's a guy for me that has always, I've got him always on the hot seat. So I had to throw him in there. You know what? You actually, you, you stole my honorable mention pick, but I just feel like with him, it's just Dallas. We all know they have the unrealistic expectations every year. Whereas, you know, we them boys, how about them Cowboys? We're going back to the Super Bowl, something you haven't won since this host was two years old. Um, but with Dallas, though, like they, it's it's kind of like Minnesota in a way, but besides the, the defense is porous at best. Um, you've got Dak. You got him paid. You got, you got good talent around him receiving-wise. We'll see what the hell happens with Ezekiel Elliott this year because it's not looking good right now. But all in all, like, no, I like the pick because, look, something's got to give. And when you run enough, when you are the head coach of that franchise with the star, there's immense pressure that comes with it. Like, no matter how much we love to rag and hate on the Cowboys, there's a lot you got to give. Because think about it, they're always the team, no matter how bad they are, they'll be on primetime every year. No matter how bad they are, they're going to be in that prime Thanksgiving Day slot. It's just, it's one of those things where, look, something's got to give, because otherwise... If it doesn't work out this year, I think you you let him go, and then you let Dak help pick who the next head coach is going to be. You don't do like the whole Deshaun Watson where it's just, hey, management's going to pick who they want. Because that's another take that I have, and that is, for as long as Jerry Jones is the general manager of that team, they will not have any success as a franchise. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat there, especially on the uh, Dak thing. I think, obviously, you get him paid. Uh, you hope that he returns to kind of pre-injury Dak and possibly even better. Will that happen? Obviously, uh, that's yet to be seen. But I do think you have to have him in the room constantly. Okay, do you like this guy? What do you want in a coach? Who do you like? Who do you not like? Because especially when you're paying a guy like that and you want him to be the guy that you know brings you to a Super Bowl, you got to have him in on those decisions. And if not, then... Who knows, maybe a couple of years down the road, we have ourselves another Aaron Rodgers situation. But yeah, I think 
I think you got to have Dak be a huge part of it when and or if that time comes. Uh, I do want to bring up something that I completely, you know, forgot about. I glanced over it in my brain as I was making my honorable mention pick. Wasn't there a thing last year where he had a press conference and he was like, oh, I'm embracing analytics and, you know, I'm studying all this information and how we should talk about it and how we should use it in practice. And then a couple of games later, he was like, ah, no, just kidding. Like, I didn't actually mean that. I feel like that was a big thing. He may have done something like that. Is it, no, because I remember his introductory press conference. He was like, yeah, you know what? I took a year off. I was watching all this film. I was doing all this stuff, which we all saw was clear bullshit from the beginning. But no, I'm pretty sure somewhere along the lines in the season, like I don't pay much close attention to Dallas Cowboy press conferences because why should I? But I know that something like, I'm pretty sure something like that did happen. So you're not wrong. Yeah, and that's just, I mean, if he wasn't on the hot seat before, that's just an insane move as a head coach to, like, just don't say it at all if it's not true. And then especially don't come out later and say, ah, I was just kidding, like, that was a lie. Why would you say that? No, you, 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 you can't. You can't, you, you can't do that. Um, for mine, I want, there's a route I want to go, but I don't, I'm just going to say it quickly. I wanted to go John Gruden, but I just he's not going anywhere because of his contract. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the AFC because both of my picks are NFC. I'm gonna go with Zach Taylor from the Cincinnati Bengals. He's going into his third year. This is the big. We'll see how Burrow. Com- it's a similar situation to Dallas where we'll see where Burrow comes back from the ACL. But with um, but with Taylor, it's kind of a year where it's like, look, something's got to give. You got to get everything going. You got to put the right pieces in place because you're in a year where you're in a very tough division. I know Pittsburgh may take a step back. We don't know what Baltimore's gonna be. And everyone expects Cleveland to be the kings of the north, no pun intended. Um, but with Cincinnati, there's got to be progress there. I'm not saying make the playoffs. They go out there and finish 6-11. and 11. They go out there and finish 7-10. and 10. I think that's a successful season in my books for them. Realistically, though, I think they'll win 5, maybe 6. But you got to not – like, say if you do be like that, my only thing for them is – you got to be in every game. You can't be out there continually getting your ass kicked. You've got to be out there saying, like, hey, look, we may have lost, but you know what? We It was a 35-31 to 31 kind of game. you got to go out there and show, hey, we're building something for the future. And I think if you don't do that, Zach Taylor's days in Cincinnati are slowly going to be numbered. And a hot take I'm going to add to a pick of mine from earlier because I know Bengal fans want this. Their ideal scenario is that Taylor gets canned, Zimmer gets canned, Zimmer comes back to Cincinnati where he was a defensive coordinator in 2013 and takes over the Bengals' head coaching job in 22. That could be pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I, he he's kind of in this weird position where I, I almost feel bad for him, at least as bad as I can feel for you know an NFL coach that's making $18 billion a year or whatever. He's kind of got to hang his hat on Joe Burrow. And after the injury he had last year, like these injuries can be so tough to come back from. And as talented as I think Burrow is, and I think we all saw it, you know, with LSU and, you know, we saw it in flashes when he was playing with Cincy, especially those leg injuries, man, it's, it's tough to come back on. And at least for me, if I was the coach there, I would, you know, be like unable to sleep at night thinking, oh my God, like we're building all of my hope around this kid who has all the talent in the world, but is coming off of a terrible injury. 
that would make me very, very nervous. Yeah, like that's because that's the big thing too. It's like you have this golden goose, but your golden goose tore his ACL in his rookie year, so you don't know how well he's going to rebound from that. You don't want the whole. I'm just like you don't want him playing scared. So if you can build his confidence back up and get his talent back up, you're good. But like I said with Cincinnati, you just got to. Um, that's just the, that's just the route you got to go because, like I said, look for as good of a team you have, you you got to show signs of progression. If you don't show signs of progression, you you got to change it up. Yep, absolutely. Yep, that that that's just that's that's the only thing. Um, anyway, uh, is there anything else you want to touch on today before we wrap this episode up? Uh, yeah, I guess I might uh, go out on a limb here. I think you know the Bears draft was universally loved by pretty much everyone. You know, I saw a lot of A's, A minuses, pretty much B plus at the very worst. Um. Obviously, Fields, with good reason, is going to get all of the attention from this rookie class. But I think, you know, especially, uh, I know we drafted a tackle, we drafted an interior, and I think we drafted both interior and exterior guys. I think the big, big, big strength, or I'm sorry, the big weakness for the Bears, obviously outside of the question marks at quarterback the last few years, have been a very inconsistent and kind of, aging and not so great offensive line. Uh, am I expecting these, these draft picks to come up and be these monster linemen right away and they're inserted game one and we're good to go? No. But, I mean, from everything, all the tape I've seen, all the scouting reports that I've read, uh, I think, you know, obviously we're all excited about Justin Fields, like I said, for good reason. But I think these linemen are going to be something to look forward to because at the end of the day, you know, you got to protect Fields, man. You got to protect your quarterback, no matter who it is. Uh, we saw that with Mahomes. So if we can end up looking back on this draft as, hey, we got our guy at quarterback, and we also got two really, really solid guys that are going to be here for years protecting him, I think that's kind of an underrated part of the draft that not a whole lot of people are talking about. I just wanted to touch on that. No, it's all good, and because uh, one player I like that you guys got later on is Daz Newsom out of North Carolina, and even Cleo Herbert. They're guys, I'm not saying they're going to come in and be like all pro or pro bowlers, but they have a lot of potential if you develop them, right? So we'll see what happens with them and we'll see where it goes. But look, if I'm a Bears fan, it's not all like, oh, it's the same doom and gloom. Like, hey, it may be because it's June 23rd. The end of the season is still six months away. But that's the love-hate relationship I have with this game is where now is the nothingest time of the year, but I love it because year-round you can always talk about what you think your team is going to be like. For example, when hockey's over, you kind of want to – for as much as you want to think about it, you only do it for a few days, and then it kind of goes away. But with football, you're thinking about it year-round. Yeah, for sure. And it's weird how sports are like that, where they're so different from each other, when at the end of the day, you know, they're all sports. But, yeah, I mean, it's always something that I've done. Uh, usually it's with friends, with my dad, whoever it is. It's like, ah, you know, uh, how are the Bears going to mess up this year, and who are we going to – make mistakes on and this and that. And this year it's been, you know, really positive. So it's been nice because usually I hate talking about the NFL in the off season. Cause it's all negative for me and whatever, but this year I've loved it, man. You know, just talking about the upcoming season and the upcoming seasons past that, uh, you know, it's been a nice change of pace and yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's kind of its own monster where we're talking about it 24, seven, 365. Exactly, because it's and like even it's the famous line from Concussion, the movie Concussion with Will Smith, where 
one doctor goes to the NFL, their corporation, they own a day of the week. Like, if you think about it, they only like play one, your team plays once a week, but you know what? Sundays after Labor Day through till the middle of February, you have something to look forward to. Yep, absolutely. And that, that's a beauty about this game. And also, too, before we know it, well, training camp will be here. Fantasy football drafts will be occurring. And I'm also here to encourage and tell you guys that if you draft before August, the middle of August, not even the middle, if you draft before August 26th, no. You draft <laughs> minimum three and a half, minimum two and a half weeks before the season starts. You should not be drafting. Because there's people who draft in July. If you're in a league like that, or if you're in a league that goes till week, week 18 now, that's a big no-no for me. Yeah, yeah, I got to be careful. I've I've learned that over the years. I've gotten burnt on it a few times. Yeah, you you can't be taking drafts eighteen thousand years ahead of the season. There's so much that can happen. Exactly, injuries and everything like that. Like I remember two years ago, I was in a league where the draft happened on a Sunday, and the night before is when Lamar Miller tore his ACL and Andrew Luck retired. So I'm at, and the draft was like I literally told the commissioner, I'm like, hey. I guess we got off lucky with the draft being Sunday, and he hated it because he wanted the chaos. And I'm like, for as much as you can get the chaos, I'm not really that big into it, so I didn't totally mind it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's all. Well, anyway, folks, that's going to do it for episode 94. Um, Because I did two episodes this week, I don't know. I'll probably be back the week of July 5th because I am out of town next week. But, Tommy, it was a blast getting to talk to you once again. Uh, Hopefully we can do this sometime before the season begins. Um, I felt like calling it day and night, or I may do it just day and night, and then I'll put the bear, and then I'll put the arrow going down emoji. Just so it's like day and night, bear down. I love that. I love it. Yeah, I love to hear it. If you, we had a blast talking today, and we'll have to do it sometime again soon. Uh, hopefully sometime before the season begins. Yeah, for sure. I look forward to it. Just let me know, and I'll be back. You know what we'll do? I'll slide in those DMs. But anyway, folks, uh, from Tommy and I, thank you very much for listening to episode 94 of YWC Football Talk. We'll be at 100 before you know it. Good night, everyone. Bear down. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.